Okay, I've got a test for you. Okay. Last week, you told me that you're beginning on your journey for learning High Valyrian. Corora. <laughs> already, already, I'm not sure. <laughs> you're just making this up. So I've got a test for you. Yep. You can't, can't black this, because I'm going to read you some High Valyrian, and you're yeah. going to have to tell me what it says in English. Okay. Okay. So, excuse my pronunciation, because I've not heard this said before. So, Ritsas Ma Kirini, Ixan, Eot, SME, Exio Daruni. Welcome to the SME Growth Podcast. <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> very good. I think the SME in the middle, which doesn't apparently translate very well. <laughs> I don't think they have SMEs. Yeah, I think that's what you've got there is a, is a dialect. Oh, is it? Of, from oh. the highlands of Valeria. Oh, wow. Well, that so explains that's, it. So that's why I made it. That's missed, where you missed the I missed a little bit, yeah. <laughs> they didn't say hello often. Yeah, I, take, I use them. Um, sort of more of the ancient High Valerian. Do you? That's right. what I do, yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you managed to get your family to learn this as well? Like, your family secret language? It's a journey, yeah. 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 Mm, good secret language so we can... I just envy these bilingual families that are able to have conversations. I know it's a bit rude sometimes, isn't it? Speak a different language in front of someone else, but... You can just. Yeah. Well, it depends if, if what you're going to say was rude anyway. Normally they're telling the kids off, aren't they? That's normally what's going on. It's kind of. Well, um, not when I walk into a Welsh pub and everybody's speaking Welsh, or I'm from Scotland and they're speaking Gaelic. Especially if they start speaking it when you walk in. <laughs> they were speaking yeah. English before. That's when I'd like to know what they're saying. Does that happen a lot? It? it does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see that or everybody stops speaking Okay, so, so yeah. now that you've introduced in High Valorian, I've got to do this one thing in English. Then. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, hello and welcome to the SME Growth Podcast for another week. And this is episode two or part two of the series that we started last week, talking about why salespeople actually like a CRM. I'm for CRM. Uh, traditionally, we come across lots that just see it as a big monster to feed you information. So, I'm Dave Parry from Wellmeadow, and joining me to continue our Journey on that explanation is rich. Rich Buckle. Hoktao Manu. You're just making that up. <laughs> Don't believe me. One of these days. You're one of these, yeah, I'll meet someone. In, someone will come in in a robe or something, won't they? They'll be like, I'm from Valeria. So. Okay, oh. then I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> anyway. Retire then. Okay, so part two. So last week we covered a few things. So a quick recap, and if any of these interest you and you haven't uh, listened to last week's podcast, then what are you playing about at? Go and go and listen to it and see what we were talking about. So we talked about the plugin for Outlook or Gmail and how it effectively brings a CRM system yep. inside your email client and how useful that is. We talked about HubSpot's magical powers of being able to identify hitherto anonymous cookies. So you know what your users are doing, where they're yep. on the website, stuff like that, which is great. We talked about how you can get people to book meetings with you and how that tracks who they are as well and offer yep. the whole meeting tool, calendar integration. Uh, we did talk about, about the lead forensics equivalent within HubSpot, which if for no other reason helps people justify the cost yep. of HubSpot because they can stop paying for lead forensics if they are. And the customizability and some of the conditionality, conditionality. for how you set up the whole views. Yep. I waffled on a bit about task management because I find that quite useful and helping salespeople to yep. prioritize their tasks and get through loads. And I think we finished up on sending quotes, sending documents out and being able to track not only that they've been opened, but how many seconds you spent on each page and yep. that type of thing. Yeah, we touched on the Quiller integration there, didn't we? That's right, which we're using a bit more and more. So that was last week. 
I even touched a bit on the app as well, which uh, probably a whole new episode on the app we could do. So we did send uh, say at the end of last week that we would cover a little bit about automating emails going out, especially when you're trying to get somebody to respond to you for the first time. So go over that. Some canned text, uh, some of the uses for automation, and we've got quite a few of these things, both for just helping you do your job and for helping analysis of what works and what doesn't. Yep. So we come up with that. Talk about calling and how you use HubSpot to make the phone calls or make it through HubSpot, and then some third-party plugins. Yep. All right. Strapped in, ready to go for that? Sounds good. Put on to your hats. Sounds good. So this is something I talked about with emails. They call that sequences. Mm. Have you played around with much of them? Not had a huge huge play with it, but it's it's one of those things where I think it's probably more for your outbound cold calling almost, for the sake of want of a better word. Converting a cold prospect to someone who's talking to you. It certainly saves a lot of time. Yeah. And it makes sure it's happened. Because, you know, it's like if you've got someone you're trying to track them down, you email them and they don't respond, you email them again, and then you kind of forget after that. Yeah. And as you've probably had quoted to you a million times, it takes on average, insert your number here, but seven or ten yeah. emails before someone responds. I'm not sure where that data comes from and, and how true it is. There must be a high variation mm. on it. But it's certainly true that I, in my experience, have finally cracked and responded four, five, six, seven, ten yeah. emails into a thread if I haven't just deleted the thing or marked it as job. I think, I think the thing with the sequences as well, isn't it? It's not just the emails. It's, it might be like, okay, the first two emails, then the next thing is to go and um, connect to them on LinkedIn. And then the next thing is maybe try and give them a phone call. And it's it's that kind of, and then maybe it's another email. It's it's the kind of cumulative effort, isn't it, to, yeah. to try and warm somebody up. And I've noticed as well, and you've seen them inbound, so I start to spot them now when other people are using them. Uh, they get They change tone very cleverly. So the first, they might start off quite professional. Hello, I hope you don't mind me contacting you, mm. but I've got this and you might be interested, blah, blah, blah. And the second one is, just in case you missed it, you know, I just thought I'd bump this to the top of your inbox again. And then I'm not sure if you're not ignoring me or not. Yeah. You know? And then by the end, they just get, you know, quite humorous perhaps. Or where they start okay, the subject the line with re- Mm. And then it's like, oh, right, I replied something. I must have, oh, yeah, right, okay. Yeah, that's really cheeky. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like that. nice try. Yeah, not buying that one. Nice try. So sequences, it's only available if you're one of the sales seats in the system, so not everybody can use it. It doesn't suit everybody. Uh, it's a kind of a style thing. But like you say, if you're trying to get that stranger to you to finally respond. I think it could work well if you were maybe, you know, if you're collecting, say, going to an exhibition or show or something, and you were collecting a lot of, business cards or email addresses that type of thing yeah to manage that process of building the relationship yeah um something like sequences could be really good i think it also works well if you've got a larger sales team if you or on a high volume of of prospects you're trying to reach because if you want everybody to go through a similar process have setting up a sequence can be quite a good way of making well, sure it that standardizes things, it standardizes it. it. Yeah, if you've got a big team or you're doing lots of them. The other neat feature about it is that as soon as somebody responds, it stops the sequence. Yeah. So if you've racked up 10 different messages, getting increasingly humorous slash desperate slash annoyed, whatever yeah. it is your style is, then it stops it when they finally take the bait. So that sequences, thought that was useful. Um, the other thing I use for all sorts of different reasons is what HubSpot calls snippets. Mm. But it's effectively canned text so you can type in anything from a word up to a 5,000 word document and you just trigger it with one click in old-fashioned money magic minutes money that was called helper text wasn't it, it was for those of text, yeah. for those listeners that use magic minutes a, a rarefied community of experts <laughs> and knowledgeable wise people 
<laughs> who use the World Meadow in-house meeting management software. Yes, helper text. Snippets, same thing. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit like autocorrect. We talked about that in one of our automation episodes, didn't we? Or auto hockey. Uh, I use it though, as I say, I've, I've got several bits of whole paragraphs written out in there and I can just insert that into my emails. Yep. And you, it's accessible on the phone if you're using the app when you're writing an email or in the browser or in your Outlook client. And for things, it's things like repeatable phrases like, I don't know, lead time or something, isn't it? And I think you can you can personalize and customize the snippets, can't you? So you, they don't have to be just the text. You can bring in, you know, if you had a kind of, I don't know, a lead time field that was maybe 14 days and then for another product it's, you know, 30 days or something, you can bring that snippet in and depending upon the context, it will either say yeah. seven days or 30 days or whatever. Yeah, it's so cool. it's very flexible in that sense. And I've seen it used a lot for things, just like contractual terms that need to go into a quote or yeah. T's and C's, Any block text. that type You wouldn't of want stuff. to put it in your standard, um, what do you call it, you know, when you fire up the email, you've yeah. got the text there with your signature on it. You wouldn't want to put it in there, but you want to put it in when you choose to. Well, I used it a bit when we used to get inquiries a lot more for renting desk space in offices mm. on a co-working basis. I've got the inquiry, I just had a sort of canned response. Yeah, this is where you go online, look at some photos, contact me if you're interested. And it just saves you from to write a load. Yeah. I used it as well for speculative job applicants, pointing them to the careers page on the website, yeah. thanking them for their interest, that type of thing. Or even people just trying to sell me stuff that I'm not interested in, you know, being polite about it. Yeah. Just say the same to all of them. So yeah, snippets quite handy, just speed you up writing your emails. Uh, maybe that's less valuable than some of these other ones though. So I want to talk a bit now about the automation because HubSpot is at its heart a bit of automation software. Mm. It's a database with automation on the back of it, isn't it? Yeah. Now I know a lot of that functionality is used for by the marketing teams to do things when people respond to yep. a web page or a download or whatever. But it's also useful for salespeople. Yep. And one that I've used it for recently is just on all the open deals, if the close date is coming up in the next seven days, it sends me an email just to say, you've got a deal here with the close date at the end of the month. You might want to revise that <laughs> because if you haven't closed it now, you've only got seven days to do it. Mm. And I found that very useful to make sure I avoid that problem that I think probably all CRMs have of dates in the past, yeah. which are the predicted close dates. So it's good about housekeeping. Yep. Um, what other things have you used it for? Well, you can automate the whole, I suppose it's a slightly separate thing, but you can aut automate the whole pipeline. Mm -hmm. So you've obviously got different deal stage deal stages throughout the pipeline. Yep. And maybe at different stages, you need different things to happen. Someone needs to be informed, or maybe someone's got to sign off on a technical spec, or maybe mm -hmm. uh, you, know, you want to let everybody know that you want a deal, or you want to send a feedback format when you've lost a job or something, whatever the context is. All of that can be automated within the pipeline, just take out so much overhead. Now you do, I find more times than, than not, people resist automation in the pipeline. I don't know quite why, because a lot of that stuff is sort of, mm -hmm. you just want the answer, the whole process of going through and getting it. But it is it is all there and it is something that could be probably more yeah. widely exploited. So imagine every time you move a deal to the contract sent stage or whatever you call that in your pipeline, you might want to, ping off an email to finance to get ready for the fact we might win it and maybe do a credit check on yeah. them or something or or when you've won the deal send an email to finance to open the account yeah on the account software or whatever it may be or even uh, yeah or even just letting people know i mean we had one client a while back didn't we where it was almost like the board meeting would be the place where the oh, yes. sort of the design mm -hmm. team would 
would learn what was going on. Yeah, thanks for telling us. <laughs> so you could have something where, you know, contract sent, everybody gets an email to say, these yeah. are the details. This looks like it might drop in six months or something. Cool. Yeah, and this is the person who owns the deal. If it's you on your radar. Information, give a ring. You know, the other one I've used it for, I think I mentioned last week about lapsed customers. Yeah. So if I've marked a deal as closed, lost, then six months on, I send myself an email through the system automatically to say, oh, you lost this deal six months ago. And the reason I do that is because quite often the reason for not proceeding at the time and the reason I closed it as lost was just the timing wasn't right or they didn't have the budget at that point or it was the wrong time in their budget cycle or yep. whatever it may be. Now, it may not be that you've remembered to put a task in. It may not be appropriate to. So it's often a good prompt just to say, oh, by the way, six months ago, we had a yeah. chat. You know, It wasn't the right timing then. Just thought I'd ask, you know, is it worth another chat now? And okay, you're going to have a reasonably low hit rate, but it's such a low effort thing to do. Exactly. And it flushes them out. Flushes it out. So quite like that. And it's amazing how much stuff actually ends up in that lost column mm. for, you know, either just through laziness or through just can't be bothered to chase something up yep. or like you say, it wasn't the right time, budget wasn't available, yep. circumstance wasn't right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So actually having a mechanism to just say, actually, it's not yeah. really, you know, lots of things aren't truly lost in the sense, unless it's a time-bound offer, mm. is it? So, And it's easy when you're busy. You know, I know that you could set yourself tasks using any other software, even Outlook tasks or something. You could set a task when you send a quote, for example, or remember to chase this up in three days. Now, that is easy to do within HubSpot. Mm. As soon as you click it, you say, remind me in three days. But if you automated it, you're absolutely belt and braces. You could say after a week after I've moved something to the proposal sent stage, if you haven't heard anything back, there's no activity, send me an email. Yeah. You know, something's, something needs to be pushed, so yeah. push it. So it's useful, all that type of thing. Just think through how could I slicken up, make loads of things happen while I'm asleep. I think asleep. most of us are much better at responding to something done to us, aren't we? So if you get that email saying, hey, I got the email now, you know, it's been six months since we spoke, but we're in a position. Mm. You're like, oh, right, okay. Yeah. That's the automation's done that. I'll respond. Yeah. The likelihood of me remembering something that happened six months ago. Yeah. The other day, I even set up a task for in the future, about a long way in the future. I think it was a six months hence type thing. Because something had cropped up in the conversation where, why there was a reason why I would want to ring up. I can't remember what it was now. But in six months' time. And I effectively wrote the email for six months' time mm. in my reminder to say, send an email saying this. Yeah. And then when I get the reminder, all I've got to do is copy and paste that into my new thing and I'll more likely do it as opposed to just getting an email saying, compose an email, think about it, yeah. remember where you were. You know, if I'm busy, I'll, I might like more likely forget that. Um, so that's good. All sorts of automation you can do around that. Did you want to talk about push counters? Well, that's interesting because it's, it's still a, a version of automation, something that mm. automation can do. Now, I think I'm right in saying that Salesforce has that particular functionality out the box a push counter. It's just one of the features it has. And a push count is how many times have you changed the close date of an opportunity or a deal? Now, HubSpot doesn't have that out of the box, but it's very easy to build a very simple automation on it. Just say that every time mm -hmm. the close date changes, increment a property called push count by yep. one. And the reason we do that is partly for long in the tooth deals. If it just happens to have always been a, an in the future thing and it was expected to close a year after talking about it, then fine, push count's going to be low. But if after 12 months you've changed the date 12 times, probably one month every time, something's wrong, right? Mm. It, it, it's just not closing. Yep. You, you, either you're not very good at getting information about how well qualified this is, or someone's jerking your chain a little bit. And we that is one of the many things that we tried to collect 
to help us with analysis. Yep. So is that a good opportunity to talk about some of the analysis work we've done before? Perfect segue. Go on then. So yeah, so we've we've done we started quite a big project, didn't we, really, internally around let's call it AI, but it's not really AI, is it? It's more machine learning, well, machine multiple learning regression AI, yeah. regression analysis on on just trying to understand wh- what factors influenced a deal that was either won or lost mm-hmm. and trying to look back through all the data within HubSpot and say, you know, was it the the location of the company or was it the push count of the company? You know, if, mm-hmm. if the push count gets to five, is the what's the probability of the deal being won? You know, yep. does it diminish and drop off or and all these other factors and looking at that. So actually building some of these, you know, having some workflows to collect the data within HubSpot, like the push cane, can then be quite powerful in terms of being able to analyze for, you know, further down the line and say, can we start to actually get some predictive analytics out of this as to what behavior should we be changing? You know, we're doing something at the moment where we're using HubSpot scoring, mm. which is you know, it's a similar type of thing. You're, you're attributing points to certain interactions or demographics or behavior properties that you're, you know, you're sort of designing that, but then the system is collecting all of those things and then you can drive a lot of the automations off those points. Yeah. But you could also then look back at it and do that analysis and say, well, okay, we know that if a, if a you know, prospect gets to 80 points, they're 10 times more likely than if someone gets to 40 points to close the deal or something so a lot of that stuff again involves thinking through what it is you want to do building the automations into your sort of marketing or sales processes and then having that data available to do that analysis mm. one thing i think we learned with that as well is that having the data the most up-to-date version of the data wasn't enough yeah and because you're doing the analysis after you know whether a job has been won or lost what you really need to know is what state was that opportunity in six months ago, yeah. three months ago, or just when we first heard about it. And you've overwritten that data. Now, I know that the audit trail within HubSpot will tell you if you looked at it, mm-hmm. what was that value a long time ago, but it's not easily accessible for analysis. No. So it's good to run a little automation that says, when a deal is a month old, capture this particular set of information and put it there. Yeah. And then maybe when it's two months old or three months old, do it again. So you've got something you can then go back and say, how did how did this deal evolve through time? You yeah. know, how many emails did we get back from them? What speed did they respond with? How many times did we revise the quote? Or whatever. Yeah. Relevant. And the push count is just one of those. Another, I suppose another piece of analysis that we've, we've used automation to help is around looking at your kind of funnel conversion rates. So you've got your various stages through your deal mm-hmm. pipeline or your funnel. And you might want to know what your conversion rates are between each stage. Yeah. Now, unless that deal has been through each stage in HubSpot, it doesn't. The reporting doesn't quite. Well, you might Yeah, you so leapfrog a stage. You leapfrog a stage or two. So, you know what? What you could do is manually go through and move each deal through each stage, or, or have a rule <coughs> that you only ever move it one at a time. One at yeah. a time. But given that you know that that sort of thing can fall by the wayside yeah. having a workflow in the background that that manages that if you know if a deal stage is skipped mark it and knock it back yeah. and give move it, it through and assume a date give it a yeah. date and at least then you're getting your conversion ratios through your process yeah that's good that was useful that helped a client which is always yeah. yeah good okay uh 
couple more things that are native and then we'll finish up with some third-party plugins. So calls. We mentioned calls when I did the task bit last week. Yeah. Because if you have a task to do a call, it'll pop it up. So the point of this is that with the uh, pro and enterprise versions, you get a certain number of minutes each month where you're able to make calls through HubSpot. Uh, now, okay, it's not because it's cheaper because clearly most call plans, it's all-inclusive calls mm. anyway these days. The point is that you can do it through the browser. Now, actually, you can divert it through your phone as well and it'll call your phone and connect you, but it's a lot quicker if you just do it through the browser using the HubSpot calling. Yeah. So you get the call, you click on and say, yeah, I want to call them. Maybe there's only one number there. It goes straight through. It'll just start dialing it straight away. So you've got your headset on anyway because you're doing Teams calls and whatnot or it's yeah. there to grab. You have the call, hang up. It tells you when you had it, how long it was. You just type in any notes you've got. But if you want to, you can get it to transcribe the call, assuming you tell the other person you're mm. recording the call if you want to record it. And then it's there. So it, it makes it very easy to go back and listen to a previous call when you're going to call somebody again. And you can search for keywords as well, can't you? So yeah, if you're looking you for that. a particular keyword or, you know, did so-and-so mention the, you know, quantum flux generator, you can go in. <laughs> you missed, you skipped the key benefits of that. Yeah. And I've seen this used, and they talk about it a lot, on the um, coaching of salespeople. Yeah. So if you were a sales manager, business development manager, you can pick up some of the calls from some of your team to either look for good examples to showcase and share with others or to find some areas where somebody hasn't picked up their training or, or rushed a bit or something and give them a bit of feedback. Yeah. So yeah, that's good calls. And you can do that through your phone as well. If you want to make the call through HubSpot calling on your phone, you'll just divert it through the, through the internet instead of using the call plan. Yep. And then it records the fact you made the call, which is good. Uh, and the other integrate the other in already inbuilt one is integrated dashboards. Yep. I think that's worth mentioning. So yeah, so you've got quite a lot of flexibility around dashboard design within HubSpot, and you can bring there's an awful lot you can bring in, generate your reports, put them into a dashboard. But it's quite a neat feature in being able to connect it to third party data sources. Mm. So it doesn't have to be something that's residing within HubSpot. You could connect to Google Sheets, or you could bringing data from elsewhere into your Even a dashboard, web page, web page, if you want to include the FT image, page on video, exchange rates or something. or something. Yeah, whatever you wanted to do. So that that can make your dashboards a little bit more, I don't know, like digestible maybe, yeah. or just bring in information that you need that just isn't naturally going to sit within. Well, it saves having to design Power BI or whatever yeah. people use. And it's got the similar functionality in if you click on a bar in a bar chart or a dot, it will then pop up a modal window, a yeah. pop-up window, and give you a list of what makes up that piece of data, which you can then further click on and drill down. So pretty interactive. That's pretty interactive. And I think, I think just as an aside, just one of the things we're playing with at the moment is just trying to make the dashboards a little bit more like a story and just try and talk people through the kind of lead gen process with you know much clearer headings of what are we trying to achieve here and rather than just have a, a you know if you look, graphs yeah if you look yeah. at hubspot dashboard not oftentimes it's just like so much data in there you kind mm -hmm. of you can't see the wood for the trees but just trying to step back a little bit and give it a bit more space talk people through come up with that story as to you know kind of organizing yeah. where would someone start you know they start at your well, website well if um listeners might remember we did a podcast once called uh marketing as a process Yes, right. Possibly. Where we talked about the Wellmeadow growth generator, which yep. is the model we use, and that very much talks about the journey that somebody takes from being a stranger through to a customer and then an advocate, advocate. as a process. So you tell yep. the story. So if you laid your dashboard out accordingly, you can put the headings in and give a bit more flavour to more flavour. Where they know which lever to pull. Yeah. 
Okay, they're all good inbuilt stuff. We wanted to finish on three particularly good plugins that we found. And it's, it's um, flattering for them, I suppose, but two of them come from the same developer. Uh, they just seem to really hit the nail on the head of what is useful for salespeople. Mm. And I've got to say, when I've shown these to salespeople that are new to HubSpot, even though it's not technically actually a HubSpot feature, and you could use this as a plugin to Salesforce or maybe Pipedrive or something, it's it's flipping useful. Mm. Uh, and so I'll cover those two to start with. One of them is called Orchard, and it allows you to map out the organization chart, the reporting structure, if you like, of one of your customers. Now, it, it does it pretty neat. It's well integrated. It's, mm. You can access it through the contacts or the company or the deal. And it pops up a little window showing the org chart. The clever bit about it is that when you first want to do that for a company, it will go through your database and find everybody with the same email domain. Domain, yeah. Which could start, or company name. And it will also use what it calls a bit of AI, but I think it's more simplistic than that. But it tries to guess the reporting structure. So if somebody's called the CEO, it puts his or her name mm. on top. If somebody's called director, they then report to the CEO. You know, you can imagine how it yeah. works. And if there's a finance director and a finance manager, it makes them all report in correctly yep. but even there'll be loads that it hasn't got perhaps or it's got it wrong but it's very very easy to just you know, click and change what they all are so that's pretty neat anyway but what you really want to use that for is a do i understand who all the key players are in this organization have i got the stakeholders mapped out yep. so you can flag each one as saying right these are decision makers a blocker an influencer mm. not involved at all so you've labeled everybody up as to where yep. they are and then they've got this really eye-popping feature which is a bit of eye candy but people always love it which they call heat maps Mm. click the heat map on switch it between either marketing or sales activity and it will show you in blobs of red and green and varying colors where has the activity happened on the org chart and it overlays it and yep. if you could see that all you're doing is talking to the buyer but not the user or the finance people or in some cases health and safety legal purchasing whatever else it yep. could be you can see where your gaps are so if you're trying to do an account-based selling activity and you've missed some of the key stakeholders it's very prettily presented to you and yeah. you, you can easily act neat. on it. Very, very neat. Very clever. But you can start tailoring your content then, couldn't you, and things like that and yeah. just outreach and what you're doing. It's just Amazing. Sometimes it's so bloody obvious. I need yeah. to ring that person. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's a blind spot. And great for coaching again. If you're a sales manager, go into somebody's org chart of a, an account they're dealing with. Yeah. It was the last time that anybody had any, any interaction with this person that's in their organization. Yeah. So from the same developer... Geomapping. Now, did I show you this one the other day? I showed a bit of that. I think, yeah, you mentioned it. You mentioned so it's it got a nice sort of two-way integration, this one. It's quite clever. So you start off by, you go into the same again, contacts, company, deal or whatever, pick your companies, mm. and you use a filter, which is written the same way that HubSpot is written. So it's quite clever. They've right. made it so that you're familiar with it. So based on all sorts of properties, which is probably more geographical, but it could be, are they a customer or a prospect or... Are they a big spender or a small customer? Or are they complicated buying process? Whatever it may yeah. be. You choose your filters and then you build a number of lists within your mapping program. So you can choose which ones to plot onto your map. Mm. And it's of the world, but you can zoom it yeah. into where they all are. So you can have red dots for prospects, green dots for customers, yellow dots for X customers, purple dots for people I want to go and see if I'm passing, whatever mm. it may be. And it'll allow you to do route planning on it. And also the two-way bit is you can geofence any area you want. So if you've got a sales territory or just the whole of the UK or you're going to do an exhibition in Germany, you want to know who's in Germany, you draw a dotted line around an area. It grabs all the people in your database that are in that area and it allows you to re-import it back into HubSpot as a list. 
And once you've got it as a list, you can send them an email or do whatever you want. Pretty neat. What's the company called? So that is the same company as the Yorkshire people, but it's called Geomapper. That's pretty good. So I I like that. I was talking about the other day. If you're living in the Midlands and you're taking a trip to Edinburgh to go and see a customer or going up for a show or something, and you want to know who else is in the area, then straight away. Who's on route. Who's on route if you're driving. Yep. So that's pretty neat. And once again, salespeople like the idea of that. I'm out on the road. Who am I nearby? Does it solve the traveling salesman problem? (laughs) (laughs) It it almost does. If you select a number of uh, locations, it will optimize the route for you. The traveling salesman problem is a long running, um, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Source conundrum. Of, source of, yeah, conundrum. But it is a source of um, <laughs> humor. There was, yeah. there was a moment about six months ago where we thought that ChatGPT had solved it. Oh, they yeah. got very excited about it. But it turns out it hadn't. Turned out it hadn't. So it's probably only done it. In fact, it was worse than the way HubSpot does it, because at least it, HubSpot comes up with the right answer. But I think yeah. it works it out using a brute force method of just trying all the options possible <laughs> and giving you the shortest route. Whereas ChatGPT, not surprisingly, just blagged it and came up with a very convincing, incorrect answer. <laughs> but there you go. So Orgchart, Geomapper, very useful. Yeah. So I've saved the best till last in a way, because all salespeople hate writing meeting notes, visit reports, whatever it may be. Yeah. And these days we're doing so many meetings on Zoom or Teams that uh, it's become a lot easier to record a call, you know, yeah. called Zoom recording call. That's fine. But nobody really wants to be able to wade through, you know, let's say a half an hour or even an hour transcript even, let alone yeah. the, the, the actual video and voice recording. It's just too much in it. So there's an app and there are several like it, but the one we use is called Fathom. It's free, believe it or not, um, for unless you're going to the team plan. It automatically joins your Zoom meetings. It automatically notifies the other members of the meeting that you want to record it and gives Mm. them an opportunity to object if they don't want to. It sends out the link to the recording afterwards with the transcript. But most importantly, it produces its own AI summary of the meeting in five or six bullet points, even if it's an hour long. And it links into HubSpot automatically. You've you've linked the two um, pieces of software together. And it will put that AI summary of the meeting and a link to the full recording in against all the people that you're meeting with. So I don't even open HubSpot. I have a meeting with someone and I just know that the summary of that meeting is against that person. Mm, Amazing. And they've got a copy of it. Incredible. And once again, whenever I've shown salespeople that who are used to having to just jot down a few key points of what the meeting was about, the thought that it's just taken, not only taken that job away, but it's given them a much better version, version and automatically put into all the people that need it and you've sent it to the other side. Unbelievable. And the AI summaries are pretty sensible, aren't they? Yeah, They're it not, works well. It's not a kind of random yeah. collection of words. And if it's put it's it into, say, five or six bullet points, it puts you a timestamp so that if you want to go and listen to that in full, it takes you straight to that point of the full video recording with the transcript underneath it and all that. Isn't so, you know, the, the fact that it's doing a recording and a transcript and even the AI summary isn't so amazing these days. There's a number of apps mm. out there, although lots of people aren't using them. But the fact that it integrates into HubSpot natively and the record is already updated, yeah, that's just, in, it's just incredible. Very, very useful. So I thought I'd... Um, like those last three, I must admit, are, are the ones that are turning the most heads, But and they are all third-party plugins. But when you combine that with what HubSpot does anyway, out of the box, yeah. part of its inherent functionality. Yeah, you combine that with the CRM and then the functionality around the sales and marketing to... Yeah. You know, that level of intelligence yeah. and efficiency is just crazy. So what we try to do there is really dispel for those that are still on the um, 
on the dark side, if you like, of thinking that CRMs are all evil and only there to get yourself beaten up by your, your manager for. They are there actually to help you do your job if they're used properly. In fact, it's probably a good test of a CRM. Does it help you sell more or is it just there to waste your Think time? Think of the commissions. <laughs> yeah. Hit your targets, get your commissions. Yeah. So if you do know salespeople that are still waiting to be convinced, then maybe point them into this direction. And didn't we talk about maybe doing a video series on each of these? Yeah, I think we will. I think we're going to do something on the website shortly where we'll be just actually, you know, rather than us talking about it, actually showing and demonstrating okay. some of this stuff. Good idea. Just so that people can, you know, sort of a picture's worth a thousand words and videos <laughs> worth how it works million, and yeah. how to set it up maybe. How to set it up, yeah. If you've got it yourself, yeah, do all that. Clearly, if you need a hand. <laughs> you know where to come. You know where we are. You know where we are. Okay, good. Well, I know that took two episodes of our podcast to cover, but that was quite a a good list of things that salespeople have said to us that they quite like about that system. Yep. Good. So thank you again for listening to the SME Growth Podcast, these two episodes on why salespeople like HubSpot's CRM. So if you know any salespeople that you think might be wanting to listen to this, or at least should be, please send them a link. And if you know anybody generally in business that might be interested in listening to all the various topics that we talk about in our podcasts, then please share a link to it as well. And for your own benefit, please follow it on Spotify or Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast, and click the little bell icon so you get notified when a new episode drops. So thank you very much again for listening, and good luck with your business. Okta manu kasha.